theyeshiva.net. Okay, welcome everybody. Welcome back. So we're up to Perik Gimel, the third chapter of the Maimir on Bahar. As Shapsai said to Shmoiru, it's page 83. Membez, column one. Last time we explored at length the difference between Yesh Miyesh and Yesh Miyayin, something from something, and Yesh Miyayin is something from no thingness. Not nothingness, but no thingness. And the reason that the world has, is recreated every single moment and the fundamental difference of the ultimate eye of the existence and of the person, if it's rooted in a yesh or it's rooted in an ayin. It's two different roads and it makes, it makes a big difference. I just want to read, somebody sent me uh, a message after last week's class. Sometimes when you hear how something resonates with somebody, it's very profound, it's very meaningful. So somebody wrote this to me. They heard it online. Today's class in the Maimir and Bahar allowed me to deeply connect in a way, in a new way, to the famous expression of Reb Meir of Primashlan, as men is oiben, faltmanisht unten. When you're tied, when you're connected above, you don't fall below. Usually it's understood to be connected to something higher, to Hashem, something higher, so you don't fall. But I think today I understood it much deep, in a much deeper way. If I'm deeply connected to Ayin, so then no yeshus revelation or experience can ever send me to the abyss because they never define me. It's just one particular expression of the Ayin and therefore of my true self. That strong connection to above allows me to open myself up with much less defensiveness to every single potential and opportunity and lesson in life. I can then become a much more objective spectator to all my experiences and aspects in my life of yeshus. I never have to become swallowed up and completely consumed by it. I can allow myself to become so much more vulnerable and open to all kind of different truths that exist in my life, even the very hard truths that are very uncomfortable to face and deal with. I can only reject them if I'm stuck in my place of yesh and I'm frightened from my existence. But if I can open myself up to my ayin, to the ayin, then I can be open to every truth in existence. I don't have to fear that I will become diminished I will lose anything of myself in the revelation. I will lose everything of myself in the revelation. Most of my fears are, what happens if I open up to this truth? What will be left of me? But judgment only lives in yeshes, not in ayin. And self-judgment also only lives in yeshes, not in ayin. Because I know that in my essence, in ayin, I'm always whole, splendid, intact, and infinite. This is what I think is real self-esteem. It's not the yesh self-esteem, it's ayin self-esteem. It's the trust in that space which allows for a life lived on a completely different level. My experiences become lessons that enrich me instead of judgments that impoverish me and make me smaller. Living life where one is no longer only limited by the paradigm of yesh can allow for freedom that I never thought was possible in my life. Thank you so much.
Just for the record, it was a woman who sent this message. That's Fashtana. Bini Yisayi the Nitna Beisha, right? Okay. So I, I thought that was a very good uh, summation and internalization. You understood? Mostly, okay. I'm glad not all of it. <laughs> There's an expression in Jewish philosophy, Ilu Yedaitiv Hayisiv, which means if I would know him, I would be him. Some things in order to know you have to be. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go now to Siv Peri Gimel, chapter 3. He has a kitzer, an abbreviation, which I'll read because it's just a very good summation of everything we learned in chapter 2. I'll just read the kitzer to remind you. We say in davening, Hashem creates the holy ones, referring to souls. Just as we say later, the holy ones every day will praise you forever because it represents souls whose relationship and praise continues for eternity, not occupying any space and time even beyond angels. And as he said, praising doesn't just mean giving compliments. Praising means basking in infinite ecstasy. Their emergence is from a level, from a reality that we call your name. Which represents a light, a ray, only a ray. Which is considered considered like naught when it's subsumed in the essence. Like the name, relationship to the essence of the person. It's a certain articulation of the person, but it completely doesn't capture the core, which is beyond names. It says in Tehillim, come see Hashem's activities. He created desolateness in the earth. And the Gemara says in Brachas, don't read Shamas, read Shamas, names. As he explained, because even the highest name is a concept of Shmama, wilderness. The same is true Chachma, which is the source of all souls, which is Kedoshim. It's called Briya. It emerges from ayin, from a state called ayin, because that is even chacham, which is the source of the neshamas, is called boire. From there, it emerges as a bria yeshmei He says he says here that even ayin is called shimcha. Even shame is ayin because, as he said earlier, the shame is also nizik of shmuel levadi. And the only hoidai, a hoid, a ha'ara of the shame is aladetz v'shemayim, which is mamalek lama. Just don't know. So we now go back to the question. He started off, why did the neshama come down when the soul is really a thought of Hashem? It's much higher than Dibur. The world is a speech. The soul is a thought. And a thought is always one with the one who thinks. It never goes out of you. It's never separate from you. And that's why the soul always experiences the world from the divine perspective. There's no such a thing as soul is separate. It's like your thoughts. They can't come out. Your words could come out. And words have a life outside of you, as we know. Words have a life outside of you, right? That's true. Once you speak, fafalan, yeah? What the other person heard is usually far more important than what you said. MS? Huh? In marriages, what's more important, what you said or what your spouse heard? Anybody wants to answer? I hope you can answer that. 
Huh? You plead the, you plead the fifth. Maybe you shouldn't. You're a lawyer, aren't you? <laughs> right. So, on one level, yeah, a transcript is good. On another level, you want to sometimes ask the person to share back with you what they heard. It's a whole process they do. It's uncertain. It's uncertain, and sometimes you'll hear that the person repeats something with the exact opposite message of what you said. Not just a different message. Mela. <laughs> that's the high level of reduction. Yes. Because that's the point of Dibur. Dibur is, I'm sharing it with somebody outside of my world who has their own world. So there's so many variables that can alter the message. Right, of course, but interpretation of the transcript as well, and experience of the transcript. No two people hear the same things. If you go at the end of any shear, I know that I've, I've done it, and I ask people, what did you hear today? It's unbelievable. Sometimes it's completely, I don't even, you know. People hear things from where they are, based on their experiences, based on their wisdom, and sometimes based on what they want to hear too. <laughs> That's also a fact. <laughs> you know. There was a big philosopher. Fine Apicaitis also. His name was Bertrand Russell. So he once said, when a foolish man repeats something that he heard from a very wise man, yeah. you could be assured that it's inaccurate. Because subconsciously, he will alter the message so that he should be able to understand it. Subconsciously, he will alter the message so that he'll be able to understand it. You know, there's uh, something... (laughs) So the bottom line is that Dibur takes on a life of its own. And the concept of the world as Dibur is that the world takes on a life of its own. It's concretized. I think I've told you once, I once heard from the Lubavitcher Rebbe of Vartan Perkeyavis, it says in Perkeyavis... At the end, say something in the name of the one who said it, you bring redemption to the world. And the question all the commentators say, like, why? You know, it's nice that you say it over, you know, you don't just plagiarize. You say, I heard from Pliny, uh, Pliny Almoini, Pliny, not a Pliny Almoini, Pliny Ben Pliny, but what? Maybe you redeem the world. So explain it on a spiritual level that everything in the world has a shame Omri. Baruch Sha'amar. Everything in the world has a sayer, a redne, a speaker, the speaker of the house, the speaker of the universe, who says it, who brings it into existence through words. Right. So he says, Dover is not only a word, it's a thing. If you can identify in every thing and in every word, the shame oimroi, the one who said it, the one who brings it into existence, the koyach hapoyel benifil, maybe guula la you emancipate the world. Oilam comes from the word helam, concealment. Maybe guula la you redeem the world from its concealment. You redeem the world. You open, you remove the facades because you bring out the shame oimre. Who is responsible to do this avoided? The neshama, because the neshama comes from machshava, and so the machshava never gets distorted because the neshama comes from the pnimius. 
So the neshama never gets distorted. And that's why there's also discontentment when there's a soul, because you always see things from the divine perspective. So the soul doesn't allow a person just to see things from an earthy place, which is often a place of complete cluelessness. There is, there is a higher consciousness that connects you to the source. And when you have that, automatically there's going to be struggle because there's going to be resistance unless I could completely surrender to that truth, which is difficult. So that's the neshama of machshav. And yet the neshama came down on a very, very serious journey and it goes through the ringer, as explained. And we said in the earlier, after you describe the exaltedness of the soul, say, now have compassion. Because compassion only comes when you appreciate how great something is and how much pain or challenges it's going through. There's no empathy without that. That's what real rachamim is. So therefore you say, Because only when you understand what a neshama is, you can understand what compassion is. You can have compassion. So now the question is, so why did attacker come down? So there's an aliyah. What's this aliyah? that happens through the descent. So that comes to the next piece. So after the long introduction about the world versus the Neshama, and the Neshama being beyond even the Malachim and Sof, and Kedosh and still Shimcha, but it's still the name. So he went into the whole idea of what a name is, and what light is, and the whole idea of right? ultimately the whole process of Tzimtzum that we discussed which allows there to be a name. A name is the articulation of the energy in a way that it's, it can be internalized within the consciousness of the world. And even that has to go through another symptom that should be And uh, as he explained at length, and that was the idea of Shemus versus Shemus and Shmama, and that's why there's a concept of which is because the Yesh from the Ayin is a quantum leap as explained, versus Yashmiyash. So based now on all of this, that the Neshama has this duality, so now he goes, what's the Aliyah? Why did the Neshama have to go, come down? The Gamla Havin, also to understand, the Hinei Noida, the Iker Kibbal Ascharu, It's known that the main time of the of receiving of the Schar of the Neshama, although there is different stages and ways in which reward happens, but it says that the primary time is during Tchiyas HaMes, during the resurrection of the dead, which is post the Messianic era. K'may Mirazal, it says in Prikiyavis, B'dam matan scharam shal tzaddikim lasid lovey. You should always be aware of the reward of the tzaddikim in the future, lasid lovey. Tzaddikim here refers to every Jew, every good person, v'amich kulam tzaddik. She'im apirush al ganeidin, if, the main idea of La'asid Lavi is Ganeidin, the Garden of Eden, which we call Paradise. Why is it called No, the reward in the future? Ganeidin exists now. Ganeidin exists now also. For the souls, when they leave the body. In other words, Ganeidin, when you say Ganeidin, you go, somebody goes to Ganeidin, it's a state of consciousness. It doesn't only exist later, Yemai Samashiach. It exists now when the Neshama leaves the body. That's the state of Ganeidin. In other words, the soul returns to its organic, spiritual, holistic state. That's called Ganeidin, but it exists now also. So what's Da? You should know that the Schar is Laasid in the future. No, it's now also, right now. So from this Mishnah, 
Balatanya is deducing that the main schar, matan schanan shot tzaddikim is la'asid. What's la'asid? That's tchiyas ha'mesim. What's tchiyas ha'mesim? That after Mashiach comes, there's going to be with thirteen one of the thirteen principles, animamin, b'muna shleim and tchiyas ha'mesim, the resurrection of the dead. And that's when the main schar is. L'fishazel iker ha'schar v'aliyas ha'neshamas. Huh? After Mashiach, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Because that's the main reward, and that's the main time of Aliyah San Hashemah, that in Hashemah's ascend. That's the main... Ascend here doesn't mean ascend, pass away. Ascend here means that the Hashemah's truly experience the Aliyah for which they came down initially. The Ganeidin ene ele lefisha adatchia. Ganeidin is also a big thing, but Ganeidin is only a temporary... Uh, I don't want to call it a vocation, but the Gemara says, But Ganeidin is Lefisha. It's temporary. It's transient until Tchia. And where is Tchia Samesim? Tchia Samesim, according to Tchia Samesim, is here. Because when it says the dead come back, they come back to this world, not to the next world. They're already in the next world. Apparently it doesn't make sense. In so many places, and many of you who probably have learned from you, we always mevatel the goof. The goof, the body, is a problem. It's an obstacle. It's a tipus rucha. There's, there's many, many sources, you know. The goof is, 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 is the skin of the snake, and it's the source of all problems, and it's the source of temptation, and sin, and transgression. But here you see an interesting thing, he says. Ganeidin, with the neshama, is finally freed from the goof, is a gewaldike place. But that's not the ultimate schar. The ultimate schar, la'asad lava is tchiyas ha'mesim. What's tchiyas ha'mesim? The neshama coming back into the guf. Tafke into the body, which is the seat of all the problems. From here you see that the ultimate aliyah is the neshama in the guf. And that's right away a prelude to asking, what's the aliyah that happens through the yiridas and neshama? It's evident from the reward that the ultimate schar is, ganeidin is a meridika schar, but the ultimate schar is, the neshama in the guf. Yeah, listen, the guf also goes through a whole journey. Because according to this, we understand that burial is not just the end of life. It says burial is offer atavol, offer tashuv. You know, when you plant a seed in the ground, it's not the end of the seed, it's the beginning of a process. So when the guf is buried after 120 years, it's not the end of the guf. It's the beginning of a process that will result in the growth that comes from Chiyas HaMesim. Well, it says in Medrash that there's the Etzam Luz, there's the Nekudah of the bone that's indestructible, and from that, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, in recent years, they have discovered that there's certain bones that last, that could last literally uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, some they say, or millions of years. A Nekudah in the bone, and DNA, which means DNA in the bone. <laughs> DNA, that's the big thing. Because from DNA, you can rebuild the whole body. So even scientifically, it's not anymore, um, you know, just a matter of uh, super rational faith. Because from the DNA, you can theoretically rebuild a, an, an organism. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, I think, the Kalif brings, I think, the mayor said, that somebody said they don't believe in it. So he said it's... <laughs> He said, when you put in a seed, yeah, and grain comes out, if you think about it, that's a bigger miracle than Chisa <laughs> Mesim. 
you put in, we, we take it for granted, right? You put in a seed, and then suddenly, I got into a whole tree, <laughs> and the roots know where to go, and there's trunk and branches and leaves, flowers and fruits, and the fruits per- perfectly suit the nature of the human organism or the animal organism to be able to give you the, the nutrients that you need and live. You know, it's all taken for granted about how all this happened. But it's an incredible thing when you put in a seed. It's the Gemara gives that a marshal for Tchisa Mason. I'll cope on him. So the explanation is It's based on the idea of it says in Zohar, the Ein Soiv Baruchu, Soiv of Kalam and Amalek Kalam. The Zohar says that the Ein Soiv, the infinite one, is manifested both as Soiv of Kalam and Amalek Kalam, which she brings in many my modem, this expression. Literally translated Soiv of Kalam means encompasses all the worlds, soiviv as encompassing, and mamalakalam and filling all the worlds. What does this mean? Soiviv doesn't mean, literally soiviv means around, like saviv, a dreidless called, svivon, uh, goes around and around. Saviv, in the Bezbech, it was Allah kevesh of Allah soiviv. What does soiviv kalam mean? It surrounds the worlds like a hakaf, he makes a hakaf around the world, he goes around the earth or around the universe, and then there's in the worlds. Obviously it's a, uh, it's graphic terms, but he's trying to convey a point. So the, the Balatanya explains, When you talk about the essence, the core, it's not in the realm of Ashpa. The realm of Ashpa means it's not in the realm that it could communicate and that the core is truly communicated. Because that which is communicated is always a certain definition, a certain description. Like we learned earlier, there's a filtering process that happens. And that's why when we say the light of Ein Saif, why don't you just say Ein Saif? Why is the expression Ein Saif? Because you want to identify the life that's actually shining, like the ray of the sun, the life that's shining and being communicated to give life to the world. Just like the ray of the sun relative to the sun. It's an articulation of the sun. It brings the sun to the world, to the, to the planet. It brings something of the sun to the planet. But not the sun itself. What do we mean? Because as we learned earlier, if the sun itself comes into somebody's house, we know what happens to that house. There has to be a distance between the sun. Now that's only a physical example. Obviously, it's a physical and very limited metaphor. But the point is that Eirein Saif means that which is articulated and communicated to become the consciousness of the worlds. So by definition, it's like the ray of the sun relative to the sun using a parable. Ela shazel mashal gashmi. But this is only a physical mashal. And why does he say this? Don't think that the mashal gashmi, the physical mashal, is capturing what we're saying. We're using oir as a metaphor. Light is a physical substance, even though it's a very abstract substance. And nobody still figured out what it is exactly, if it's a particle, if it's a wave. The speed of light, it's unique. But why does the Al-Tareba always bring Eir? Why is Eir such a favorite word? Because Eir in the physical world is that which is on the border between Gashmi and Ruchni. Eir is the most uh, transcendent of all physical matter. The speed of light is not normal. 186,000 miles per second. Uh, we think about 186,000 miles per second. 
the properties of light are paradoxical. They used to think light was a particle, then it was a wave. Now they decided it's both a particle and a wave. And yet if you observe it, it's going to collapse into one. If you don't observe it, you'll allow it to be what it is, because our eyes limit it. So Eir is a physical reality to some degree, but yet it's a metaphor for Eir Eitzayf. Because it's, it's the closest we get within Gashmi to something that's transcendent. So he says it's a martial Gashmi. It's a physical marshal, so it has limitations. It has limitations. One of the limitations is the light of the sun is not where the sun is. <laughs> You're not going to have the sun in the place of the light of the sun. It's two separate realities. There's the sun. The sun has its position and its size and its mass and its volume and its level of heat, even if we can't estimate it. And then you have the ray of the sun that travels and ultimately could enter into our planet and enter into your home and enter into your farm and your garden and into your space. So that's where the limitations of the Gashmi come in. But But when you talk about the commentary, the explanation is, Since the essence of Hashem is, which means the life of life, and he nurtures life, like we say in So therefore, it's always some type of gili. Gili means some type of articulation, some type of articulation of the energy, which is similar to what we call a ray. Here he's very, very sensitive with the marsh. It's similar to what we call a ray. In other words, we're using that metaphor to conjure the image of, you're not talking about a physical ray that comes from Atzmus. <laughs> you don't split up Hashem and there's the Atzmus of Hashem and there's the light that comes from Him. It's all one. Hashem Echad. We're using it as a marshal to explain the concept that the Gili, a certain articulation of divine infinity, right, becomes the consciousness, the battery, the engine of the universe. Al derech marshal mashan Hashem it's similar. Again, another metaphor. <laughs> the sun was not a sufficient enough, so now he gives another metaphor. But this is also a very abstract metaphor, because nobody ever saw a soul. But the concept of a soul giving life to the body. What's the concept? The body is alive. Why is the body alive? Huh? Depends who you ask, right? So some people, the body is alive. Well, there's electricity. <laughs> there's electricity in the body. The the blood pumps. What's the source of the bio? What's the source of the electricity in the body? There's something that's there. There's something, some life force, some consciousness that's allowing the body to live. We call it a neshama. So he says, this neshama that gives life to the body. The life that is communicated to all of the 248 limbs of the body, which all live from this life. And that includes, for example, the capacity of vision manifested through the eye, the capacity for hearing manifested through the ear. Chuli, you could go through every single faculty and functionality of the human body. He says, don't, just, don't think this is the core of the soul. This captures the core of the soul. No. What is it? It's a certain articulation. Again, it's like a ray that comes from the neshama, like a ray of the sun coming from the solar core. Since she is a soul that's alive, so when she comes in contact with the body, her energy gets articulated in a way that the body can resonate with the spectrum of light that comes from the soul. 
just like there's a certain light uh, uh, with, this, with uh, every object emits light, and there's different uh, spectrums that resonate. As we often say, there's certain colors I can't see. There's voices I can't hear. Why? Because th- that th- that uh, transmission of light doesn't resonate with me. There's certain levels of the soul that don't resonate with the goof. <laughs> the goof won't be a typhus. It's beyond it. It would be like the sun itself coming into the house. It'll burn it up. There's no goof. There's a certain element of the neshama that's articulated that it could be experienced viscerally by the body, and that's called a living body. So it's like a ray of the neshama that gives life to the body. You understand what he's saying? The goof, the, 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 in the goof, the goof, this, this level of light of the soul resonates with the goof. The goof picks it up. The goof says, ah, I get it, and it's alive. The music resonates, huh? Avada, avada. The body keeps the score. <laughs> so he's giving a muscle, just like when you talk to at- with Atmos in the world, yeah? That the chius of the world is the consciousness that resonates from Hashem based on the limitations of the world. In other words, everything, everything in the world gives off light, everything. We don't see most things, <laughs> right? Especially black holes. And the answer is because Light travels, light can travel in different speeds, different frequencies. Huh? <laughs> okay. It travels different speeds, different frequencies. Yeah. And based on the frequency of light, what can my eye register? What resonates with my eye? There's certain things my eye doesn't see. So I say it doesn't exist. Yeah. My eye has to see it. My brain has to interpret it. And then we can all agree that this is brown. So everything is based on if it's articulated. You know what articulated means? If it's mitzumtzum, in a way that my chemistry can absorb it, it exists. If not, it exists, but it doesn't exist in my consciousness. I can't do anything with it. Al yeah. take a shear. Somebody could give a class. The information could be unbelievable. It could be maybe the deepest secrets of the world. But if somebody doesn't understand the language or somebody doesn't understand the concepts, so it, it's there, but it's not there. Nothing went into me. Right? If the person spoke a language based on my brains and my language and my understanding, suddenly it can enrich me, it can uplift me, I could do something with it. If not, it's all there. It was great, but I didn't hear it. It didn't go into me. So the challenge of the neshama is, the neshama is alive. But the way the neshama is alive before it comes into the body is very different than the way the neshama is alive when it comes into the body. Because when the neshama comes into the body, the neshama has to, a whole new level of the neshama has to come out. The energy of the neshama, the frequencies of the neshama that can be picked up by the guf. What type of vision does the soul have without the eyes? From one end of the world to the other end of the world. The moment it comes into the guf, what do I see? I could see this room, I could see another room. If you have unbelievable vision, you could see a half a mile, you could see a mile. If there's no fog, sometimes on a mountain, you could see many miles. But I can't see to the other side of the world. The Gemara says that when in the womb of the mother, or after the Petiri, you see, it's a joke? No, it's not a joke. The power of vision is to be able to see everything. Once the Neshama comes into the body, so it's also alive, and it's Maidadik, the eye is a miracle. You know how many uh, how many sensors the eye has, right? The modern the modern <laughs> the modern day cameras, uh, videos, <laughs> planes, and jets 
don't compare to the to the science of an eye, what an eye has. But nonetheless, it's limited, relatively speaking. Yeah, the soul is, but it is. Of course, it's much larger than the guf. The neshama is like the sun, sun, sun. and the oir haneshama is the chiyus that the guf experiences of the neshama. The same is true wisdom. How much wisdom does the soul have? The soul has incredible wisdom. In the brain, it's processing wisdom through the brain. What does the soul hear? The soul hears whatever it can process and experience through the ears of the human body. That's why in the womb of the mother, right, when the soul is beginning to develop in the body, the Gemara says the soul learns the whole, you learn the kola terakula. How do you learn kola terakula? Well, you learn kola terakula. It doesn't have the kalim that it has to work with. <laughs> Experiences reality in a different level. And the same is true after passing. It says in Tanya, the Balatanya writes, that it says in Zoyar, that Sadikim, Afal Gav, the Spatre, Alma, Ishtakhe, Bekula, Alma, Yatrime, Bechayoi. That Sadikim, even when they pass away, they're present in all the worlds, more than they're alive. And the Balatanya says that the Zoyar says, Ishtakhe, Bekula, Alma, Gambailam, Haza. Even in this world, they're present more than when they're, they're, present more than when they're alive. So the Zoya says, what does that mean? doesn't make sense. So he says, depends how you define presence. If you define presence, physical presence, of course when, when somebody passes away, there's no physical presence anymore. If you define presence as uh, their intimate presence, he says it's much more. Because the presence is here without being processed and defined by the kalim of the goof. So male, the presence is much more. The influence could be much deeper. But it's a different type of influence. And in order to be macabre that influence, you also have to open yourself up to a higher flow, not only a flow through the body. Tzadikim. It's true about every soul. Oh, you're saying it's true about every soul. That's true, it's true about every soul. But the reason that, when the Zoya means tzadikim, the Zoya means somebody that their life was dedicated fully to their soul. So that presence continues, and the Zoya says it increases. There's a sad, there's, there's a loss because we relate to people through their physical presence. So there's a tremendous loss. That's why we mourn and we grieve, etc. Right? Khalilu, when somebody loses a loved one, that doesn't take away from that. But it brings out this point that the Neshama itself is far beyond the guf. There's a certain air that's limited and articulated in the body. So therefore, he continues. The life that comes from the neshama to the guf is called ayin. What do we mean ayin? What do we mean by ayin? He says it's like a ray. And that ray is ayin mamash. It's only one particular manifestation of the totality of the soul. Ella. Again, the metaphor is incomplete. I'll keep on saying that. The soul, the essence, where is the soul? When you're alive, the soul is in the body. And the whole soul is there, even though most of it can't be manifested. 
The soul is in the body, and a light of it goes to vitalize the body. And that's why the neshama is affected by the guf. It becomes like there's a marriage, there's a symbiotic oneness between neshama and guf. Even though the guf can only detect a certain limited dimension of the soul. In the nimshal, after saying all this, it's different. The essence is not affected or distorted by the level of the recipient, by the world. And as we'll see, it's important in life as well to understand this. That this, the atzmius, which is always present, but it's not distorted affected or tarnished by the Olamas. Like we say in Davening, You're here before the world was created, and afterwards, in the same way, in the same way, in the same way, because even as the Eir is communicated, there remains an element which we call Kaddish Amovdal that's not defined and grasped and therefore can't be affected and distorted by the worlds. Even the Eir itself, there's no Islapshus, which means real, real enclothement where you define it. The Eir itself, only after many, many tzimtzumim and filters can the Eir really be grasped. So based on the sun and based on the soul, we'll certainly understand that the entire consciousness that all the worlds live from, all the worlds are alive, everything, and they live from Hashem. But that chiyus cannot be defined as the core essence. This sums up the whole thing. It's a gili, it's an articulation. It's a And he uses the word chas v'shalom. It's not that smusay chas v'shalom. And that's why the expression is The source of life. It all comes from him. But it's a certain limited articulation that's, that's tailor-made and custom-made for the consciousness of the worlds. After the parentheses. Whenever you see the word Eirein Saif, it's referring to this gili, this articulation. Why is it called Eirein Saif? So he says, Ki ein Eirein Saif doesn't mean the Eir of Ein Saif. No. <laughs> Eirein Saif means the Eir is Ein Saif. The Eir itself is also Ein Saif, not the Eir of the Ein Saif. Why? Ki ein Because this light is infinite. You have to understand that this air is also infinite. Why? Because it's his light. And if it's his light, if it's his reflection, if it's his frequency, so then it's going to be ain't safe. But the worlds that emerge from it are finite. If the air is ain't safe, so then the world also should be ain't safe. 
This is because the oil itself goes through so many processes, so many tzimtzumim that allow the earth to come in into measurements and finiteness. That's what the Zoyar means. Oir ain't soif. Is soif of kalalman and mamale. What's mamale? Shu mashanimshah bebchinis gilui begvulu midal derechmashul umeir bechalalam lefiyerka. That which is articulated, but it's articulated in a way that it could be measured to some degree. When you say measured here, it doesn't mean like we say measured 10 inches, 20 inches, 3 inches. Measurement here is, it's the consciousness of the universe, which is also infinite. Measured here means that it can be experienced, it can be experienced by, by a reality that has some definition and description, which we call life. You're alive. The sun is alive, the moon is alive, the galaxy is alive, atoms are alive, cells are alive. It, it allows for the chemistry of the universe, which means the earth has to be something that's translated into consciousness, into some form that it can be received and experienced, and therefore functional as a world. And in that itself, there's endless levels. You can't compare the consciousness of an ant to the consciousness of an angel. You can't compare the consciousness of a uh, bat to the consciousness of a human being. You can't compare the consciousness of a higher spiritual universe to the consciousness of a rock. But there's a common denominator that everything is mamalakalam. And the beginning of this articulation in Gvul is Chachma. The beginning of the articulation in Gvul, in limit, is called Chachma. Now he says, this state of consciousness is not even like a drop of water relative to the entire Atlantic Ocean. When you speak about the air of Mamale relative to the Eirin Seif, which is not articulated in a limited way in the world, which is called Seif of Kalam. You hear what he's saying? <laughs> there's Atmos. Atmos is Atmos. Then there's Eir. The Eir is Ein Seif. From Eir Ein Seif, how could you have the consciousness of a world? If I experience infinity in me, so where's the I? <laughs> the I can't experience infinity because there's no I, Right? So this ur goes through tzimtzumim until it becomes mamalakalam. It becomes the consciousness of me or of any other existence in the world. But there's still the ur that's a reflection of atzmos. That's a free, and that's also ain't seif. So he says the relationship between the mamalay ur and the seif of ur is much, even a drop of the Atlantic doesn't describe it. You take one drop of you say, could you show me the Atlantic Ocean? So I take a cup of water, I take one drop of water and say, here's the Atlantic, Right? It comes from the Atlantic Ocean, right? But it's not the Atlantic. So he says, even that's not a good metaphor. Why? Because that's a difference in quantity. Ultimately, the Atlantic is made up of many drops. I mean, more than one or two or three. But the tipa is from the Kionis. He says, it's not even a good marshal. But he still gives it, because he wants to bring out this Nekuda, that the Eir ain't safe, relative to the Eir of Gvul, of Mamale, is the relationship is less than a tip of the Kionis. How much does it capture of it? You have a drop. It comes from the Atlantic, Emes. But it's not the Atlantic Ocean. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to bring you to the Atlantic. You look at the ocean, you'll see a little bit of the ocean. Right? But the truth is, it is from that ocean. It's, it's, real, it's really one. Again, all these metaphors are physical, so it's always duality. The drop separates from the ocean. Here, nothing separates from anything else. You have to understand all these limitations. 
Ah, Mamali Lagabisoiva, which is also Oy, which is also Oy. The Oy of Mamali. So now, but, but he says, don't don't compare it to the ocean. Why not compare it to the ocean? So he gives one one qualification. The aim Peter of Shamakif Momaila. Never think that Saiviv means it surrounds it from above, peripherally, like on top of it or around it. No. Kileis Asad Ponimine. There's no space devoid of him. And the void of him means his essence and his light. The Pshat Saiviv is. Huh? It's right here. And it's available. <laughs> it's here and it's available. It's a musik. It's not. Right, so the difference. So he says the words ene musig v'nitfus. Huh? Yeah, vada. Huh? Eretis and perek mamcha. Yeah, so, so what does the word musig mean? Musig comes from the word lahasig, right? V'hisigucha kol abrachas eila, yeah? The Simcha bin Mabshizk said, V'hisigucha kol abrachas eila, k'may hasagas araivid. So v'hasagas araivid. You know what Hasagas Haraivid is, huh? On the Rambam. Vihisigucha literally means lahasig is to reach, to grasp, yeah? And the masig. Hasag also means when you grasp something, hasag in them, right? Hasaga means I can wrap my brain around it. Nitfus also means it's nitfus. So he says that's the chilik. Mamalakalalman is the type of oil, it's a type of energy that can be grasped because somewhat understood, comprehended, and therefore experienced by the Nivra, because it's filtered according to his or her kalim, their vessels. Soiv of Kalalman is completely present, but it's not present in a way that I can grasp it. It remains present in its infinity. So it's completely here, but what do we mean it's here? It's not here in a way that I will identify my I with it, because... Not because it's not here in a powerful way, because it's here in too much of a powerful way. <laughs> it's too much here. <laughs> so when we say above, we don't mean that it's above. It's, it's on the second floor. Huh? Yeah. So there's a Lushan, right? Right? Sometimes something is here, but there's the Kaitzer Hamasig. There's the, the shortcoming of the comprehender. And the oimek hamusig and the depth of the idea. And when you have the combination of both, and, and you have it in very practical ways, right? Sometimes you see something in somebody's life. You want to share it with them. We have some therapists that will probably relate to what I'm saying very well. You see something about somebody's life. You want to share it with them, right? Because it's true. It's true. What's the worst thing you can do? <laughs> share it with them. Why? <laughs> Why not? Why? And the answer is, you have to be ready to receive the truth. And if you're not, if you're not, so I become your enemy. I be- the moment I become your enemy, I'll never be able to help you. So you have to contain yourself, right? It's called tzimtzum. That's tzimtzum. But you have it in, in, in so many realities. The whole subconscious self, where is it? Where's the subconscious self? What do you think it is? <laughs> it's in everything. It's in every word. It's in every thought. It's in every twitch. <laughs> It's in every gesture. It's the way you look at me. It's the way you walk. It's in every... It's much more than anything else. But, but, do I know it? <laughs> what, what makes it subconscious is, or superconscious, whatever word you want to use is, it's beneath the surface. Beneath the surface doesn't mean it's not here. 
It means it's not here in a way that I make peace with it. If you'll ask me to describe me, I won't talk about that. Why won't I talk about that? It's, it's who I am. And the answer is because my words and my thought processes are all the conscious, the, my core, the, myself, the way it was filtered through my conscious brain. And this is who I am and this is what I talk about. This is a whole inner self that may be much more present and usually much more influential, <laughs> much more powerful, much, yields much more, wields much more influence over me. But which me? And the truth is, what is one man's soiviv is another man's mamale. <laughs> what is one man's mamale is another man's soiviv. And, it, and, 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 and that's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is, right, what is one person's, what is one person's soiviv is another person's mamale. The Alter Rebbe asks, how's there going to be a munal asid lover? Where is there going to be a munah la'asid love? A Mashiach comes. A munah means belief. So he says, no. We're talking about infinity. <laughs> so what is today in a munah will tomorrow be in Seichel. And a munah will be on something deeper. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> the same is true with so many, so many issues. When you say soiviv, it's also oir. And if it's oir, it's a reflection. And if it's a reflection, it's already an articulation. But it's an articulation of ain't soif. It can have thou- very good. It can have thousands of different explanations. Thousands. If if I have a trauma, for example, a certain part of my consciousness of my brain is is, is offline, as they say, it's offline. So certain truths about me or about the world, I simply can't process in a conscious way. It's a survival thing. It's not. It's that remains survival. Mamali means that which is filtered in order to allow for your existence. And this explains beautifully this concept, beautifully, I mean sadly, but also eloquently, this concept of trauma. If a person felt that with a certain truth they won't be able to exist, what do they do? They shut it out. It becomes saiviv. So he says, what around doesn't mean around, it's physically around the house, it's around my brain, or it's on top. He says, Einoi Musik, we call it above, because in English, we don't have, we don't have another word. It's in me. So remember, this is, huh? It, it doesn't, re- again, it's the it resonance. The light is here. The light is here. I don't see the color. You know, the birds see colors that we don't see. I don't see why. The color is here. It's right there. <laughs> Once it resonates, it's not safe. Of course, there's levels in resonance. How much it resonates. There's that moment where, where uh, you know, baka, uh, there's what's called pkia, the pkia, the vizakman pkia. There's a rupture, a rupture, a, a, a crack in the wall. And the save of resonates, and that's when there's a lot of turmoil. <laughs> you know, uh, ig- ignorance is bliss is not a cliche, Right? As long as the wall is there, it's the moment there's a rupture and the light starts coming out, like, oh, whoops. And that's when, shmama, that's when there's turmoil, there's upheaval, because you certainly say, wow, so it's not the way I thought. But I still didn't absorb it completely. That journey is the difficult journey of growth, because your mamale is being compromised by a deeper state of revelation. You want to ask? Yeah. Beautiful. 
says the ultimate optimist, not turmoil, but peace, right. But when you don't perceive peace as peace, it can be turmoil. Ah, you're saying if Saiviv is everywhere, so what does that Rizal mean? That there was a Khalamakapanui. So that's why we said I think a few classes ago that Lefi, Shita Sabal Shamtiv and the Balatanya, Tsimtsum is not Kipshutai. What does it mean Tsimtsum is not Kipshutai? That when Darizal says Tsimtsum, Hashem withdraw, withdrew his light, it doesn't mean literally he withdrew it. It means configuratively, because since it's not perceived in my kalim, so therefore I say it's not here. I say that it's above. That which is not musig, it's not in my hasag, it's not in my grasp. I can't wrap my arms around it. You know, I can't hug you. I can't wrap my brain around you. So what do I say? It's not here. Makim means relative. The symptom allowed that the world should experience it as an empty space, because it's not. It's not. It's not. Because it doesn't. Because I don't experience it in my kalim. So I, I say it's not here. It's empty. If it was behizgalos, what does it mean behizgalos? It was not concealed. So then it wouldn't create. There wouldn't be a makom. There wouldn't be a space for gvul. If Hashem would not want Bamalakalaman, what would the world look like? What says Batlumavotl? Achtos. There would be no identity that could be defined as Gvul. Everything would be as is, which is an expression of infinity, of infinite oneness. Which is the emes. <laughs> which is the emes. Mitzad of of Kalalma. It's the emes. That's like the ayin we spoke about. The ayin. The ayin is emes, no thingness, right? But the ayin wanted, there should be a yesh. What's yesh? Yesh is that from the ayin should come out identity, diversity, you are you, I am I. Everything has its keli, its gvul, its lavush, its midah. That's why boundaries is one of the hardest things in the world. So the therapist will say, because you're insecure. It's much deeper, it's not because you're insecure, it's because you're ayin. And Mitzat Ayin is talking no boundaries. I am you and you are me. That's why it's hard. It's also hard sometimes because you're insecure. <laughs> I don't mean chas v'shalom to be all the therapists. <laughs> sometimes I'm insecure too. But that itself comes from a deeper nekuda. Chassidus is myla everything. It's because there's talking no boundaries. There's a nekuda where there's no boundaries. It's brought to Altarab, it brings kairach, yeah? Kairach shepikechaya madal ishtuzu. Rashi says he was so smart. Why was he a shaita? So, so, so the Baltanya says, how do you know he was so smart? Maybe he wasn't smart. It says somewhere in Chumash, Kairach Pikechaya. Chazal Machlati was smart. Maybe he was a shaita gomer. So he says beautifully, Kairach Shapikechaya. From this story itself, you see that he was smart. Kairach Shapikechaya. From the Maisa you see that he's smart. They didn't need a. No. Where did you see his pikechus? Because Kairach's taina was. That really, there's no boundaries. There's no gvulim. Kolam kedoshim. Kolay the kolam kedoshim. Ubetoichem Hashem. Maduet is naso al kal Hashem. Moshe is holy. Aaron is holy. Chaim Yankel Shmedel is not holy. Atzmos is only in Moshe. Nishten nishten me. Nishten yenem. There's a whole hierarchy in Judaism. Kaidech said this is a pasnosht. No, it's it's a pikhis. It's a good word. Yeah, a lot of people say it. Huh? 
The ganze inyan. What Einstein? Hashem also has boundaries. There's a higher God. There's a lower God. You're a godl. You're a cotton. You're a chashmi. You're not a chashmi. How exactly does that work? God also has chalakim. You're in Mizrach of Hashem. You're in Maidiv of Hashem. How does that work? The shtus is that to get to that place, you have to go through boundaries. <laughs> you have to... Because we went through the Kav. The Kav is the line of Eir that came through the Tzimtzum. If you don't go through the Kav... If you you can't get to soiviv because it, it it's like if a person says, "Okay, you get married, we, 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 there's no boundaries." Okay, we're one. We're mamish one. You are me, and I'm you. How long is it going to last? Till after shana reshayna. The plot is why, because you are you, and I am I. Like the Kotzki Rebbe said, "Do bizdu nichbinich." Yeah, yetzlam is chabinden, because the the same. Because Hashem made Malikalaman is not a mistake. Malikalaman is not a it's not a fluke of nature. Malikalaman is emes. There are boundaries. There are ba- a man is a man and a woman is a woman. There's differences. Why is there a mechitza by davening? Kairach said, "What do you need mechitza? Allah's and ain't. It's beautiful words. Everybody is one. The problem is when you live in a world of boundaries and you make everybody one, you destroy a, 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 a marshal. Right, this Marshall one's from the Rebbe. He says, you take fire and water, and you say, everything is one, yeah? So let the fire and water exist, mamish with achdos. Beautiful vision, right? What happens? <laughs> Either the fire gets this extinguished, or the water gets evaporated, right? They're not coexisting. You want to exist, you want to, you want Eishamayim to exist together, gazuntahet. A mechitza. It's called a pot. <laughs> The Gemara says, If you see a pot, a pot in, 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 in your dream, it means a simon of peace. In Brachas, so the Ksav Seifer, the son of the Ksav Seifer says, He says, Between fire and water. Beautiful, you have fire under the pot, you have water in the pot. Not only are they not fighting anymore, the fire cooks the water, cooks a beautiful food, the water is thankful to the fire. They take a live together. It's such an important idea. Why can't there be one? Ayin, Ayin. In Ayin, it's like a one. Ey, Shmayim, Chesed, Gvur, it's all one. But in, in the world of boundaries, you need the boundaries in order to exist. Because if not, you're undermining something very truthful about me, and I'm going to revolt, and it's not going to work. A husband and a wife can't tell each other, we're mamish one. There's no differences. It's beautiful. But when the differences come out, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? When the differences come out, there's going to be chaos. Oh, I thought there were no differences between us. Oh, there's differences. Okay, have a good day. And what happens? From the great Achdus comes the ultimate separation. To get to the real Ayin, you have to go through Mamale. The ultimate is Achdus complete. That's why it says, and the Arizal says, that La'asid Lavei Kairach is going to be right. You know that, yeah? La'asid Lavei Kairach is going to be right. Now not. In other words, the Chayza of Lublin, you know, he was a Levi. Kairach was a Levi. He used to say, the Heilekezede Kairach, huh? The Heilekezede Kairach. The Heilekezede? He got swallowed up. Why did he get swallowed up? Because that's the Vart. He denied boundaries. So the earth swallowed him up. 
It's also a metaphor. It's not just physically got swallowed up. It's a vert. It got swallowed up. It was like another magic trick. <laughs> he became one. He became swallowed up in the earth. The the is the tachtoinim swallowed him up, and that's what happens. You go out of bound, huh? When you go out of boundaries, the earth swallows you up because you're not mechaber elakus with gvul. When you don't bring Hashem into the earth, because everything is heaven, so then when you fall into the earth, you look what happened to the hippie movement, if you're familiar a little bit, right? The 1960s, there was a movement in America, no boundaries. Mamish, no boundaries. And everybody was enthralled by it. Huh? <laughs> Differently. With Woodstock and Yitzstock, and all the boundaries were bottled, and it seemed like the perfect world. Yeah, there was somebody then who made a song. Imagine, there's no nations, there's no boundaries, there's no borders, there's no heaven, there's no no religion, no cultures. It's a beautiful image, right? And and there's a real nekuda in that. It, it touches a very deep place in a person, especially when you're young. Why? Not because you're a shaita. You're a pikich. Because you're looking for ayin. But what happens afterwards is it plots. Why does it plot? Because whenever you create a society based on no differences, it's the same as, it, it doesn't last, like socialism. Socialism is much nicer than capitalism, trust me. Asachshana. That's why the Jewish youth was all, everybody was enthralled by socialism. It's beautiful. No jealousy, no competitiveness. It's like the kibbutz, yeah? You live together, we distribute the bread based on what you need. There's no ich, 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 shali, 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 shali. No shali. Shali shalcha, shalcha shali. What's a schlecht? And you, the world is peaceful, it's not nice. Huh? Why do you think so many Jews were socialists? It sounded messianic. No jealousy anymore. You don't have a house that's not mine. I don't have a house that's not yours. We share. And if you need more space, so you got more space. I get less space. You have more kids, you get more bread. I get less. But it's all, isn't it beautiful? It speaks to everybody. What happened? It became the worst Gehenna in history. <laughs> the Soviet Union became one of the worst Gehenna, maybe the worst Gehenna in history, probably the worst. Well, what's the Geshev? So besides the fact that, you know, you had Stalin running the show, so he was beyond corrupt. So, you know, what's the language in Animal Farm? Everybody is equal, but some people are more equal than others, right? So that's, of course, the big problem, corruption. But also, to create a world where there's mamish, no, uh, no you and I, it's, it, 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 it's the ultimate. <laughs> but you have to work through identity. You have to work through boundaries. So when you say it's hard for people with boundaries, it's not just because of insecurity. It's because there's no boundaries. And that's what you crave. And more sensitive people have a problem with boundaries because of this, because they're more sensitive to ayin. And they have to work more on, on, on knowing that the differences are not a curse. There's not differences because, because I don't care about you. Fakert. Because Mamala Kalalman is a Nakudamitis. There's a Kayan, there's a Levi, there's a Yisrael, there's a man, there's a woman, there's a there's this person, there's that person, there's a Jew, there's a non-Jew, there's Daimim, Tsameh, Chaim. It's not a curse. Everybody has their place 
in the symphony of the Rebbeinu Shalom. And together, you recreate that, that achtos. Okay, have a beautiful day. We'll see you tomorrow, 7.45, Beis Rasha. Ah? He says, the Hashem's atzmos, is that the oir was kum tareis b'sayvav, or b'salz oir, sinisht atzmos. Atzmos is nish begeder ashpa. Atzmos is not oir. The Indian of oir is sinisht atzmos. Oir me'ena ma'ir, emes, oir reflects the ma'ir, but it's oir. Like a, like a shim, or is it a shim? Or is it different? No, shim is kalem. The shim is the makara Oid is the Indian von. Oid uh, is the Indian von von gilu his galus. Ah, so he says in oid gufa is the oid the seiver. Oid seiver is the way the oid is kavayachum. It's at atzma. Hashem is ain't seif. So it's Megala in Saif. So it's Megala in Saif. It can be Bislapshis. <laughs> it's Megala in Saif. The world that comes from Gili in Saif is going to be in Saif. But since the Ur goes through, the Saif Ur goes through many Tsumtsumim. So from Saif of Mamale, this becomes the Ur that, that is Mecha. It creates and it's Mahava every world. It creates, it becomes the chemistry, the energy, the, the engine, the consciousness of every Ulam. Lefi Erkai. For me to exist, for my brain to make my life, my brain has to have certain dimensions, yeah? And a certain chemistry and a certain nature. Every cell is made up in a certain gvul and mid, and it's all ain't soif, it's all ain't soif. But it's the way the ain't soif is nitfus, it's musag. Again, when we say nitfus and musag, it doesn't mean we really understand it. We, we don't understand mamali either. <laughs> but it means that it can create a consciousness that I could call myself I, I could feel myself on some level. Soivav is here. He says, it's not that Soivav is not here. Everything is Oyrin No, Soivav Kalalman is called Oyrin Soiv because the Oyr of it is Ain Soiv. What Soivav says is that everything is Ain Soiv. What Mamala says is, no, not everything is Ain Soiv. Everything has its gather. They have two different statements about the world. And they both exist. And that's why some people have it hard with boundaries. But that's masbazan. The much was coming for therapy. They mean and everybody. You don't have self-esteem. No. It may be mishtalshel in that. But when you're when you're ten days old, you don't suffer from self-esteem. Huh? Yeah. It's a message. The way your toifus reality that I'm a shmata. But sometimes that comes from ruchnias. It comes from a very deep. Uh, Right. Right. You don't have to work on self-esteem. Okay, so you have a a situation where you have a child who was put down or a child who was neglected (laughs) where the parents have it, so the kid experiences that, right? So yeah, you have these tangible things where a person, you know, they grow up in an environment where they're not respected, they're not valued, uh, they're not seen, they're not noticed, so you always have to hide in the, one way or another way. It's an attachment disorder. But, um, but there's also another component, and that is that sometimes the very sensitive person right, feels other people. So they call them an empath, an empath. You experience other people. And the boundaries are not so powerful. That's very deep. And you have to identify that issue. Huh?
Yeah. So, so Soiv Soiv claims that everything is ain't Soiv, and Mamali says no. It has a cup is a cup and a table is a table. A rosh is a rosh, and there's not silas and there's not There's a rock and there's a person. Adam of Ahem at Eshia Hashem, yeah? Huh? By the way, everyone... Chesidus. Gans? Much of Chesidus is to bring these two together. I said... It says about Shemitah, this year is Shnasa Shemitah. So it says by Shemitah, that you have to leave the field open for you and for your animal, all animals, everybody could come eat it. Right? So the Torah says that the Adam and the Behemah have equal rights in the dust. So it's a Machzadik rights. That's it. And he says, the Rebbe says, the beard of this Maimer, because Shemitah is Aliyah Sa'ilamas, like Shabbos, to Saiviv. So Mela Adam a Behemah, a Adam a Behemah, Mamish Beshava. Not Shemitah, not Shemitah is Mamale. So this is, huh? Al-Tarebbe says that. Adam of Behemah become Beshava. Huh? Yeah. The animal has the same right in the field like the person, like the owner himself. Fakat, if you have, if you have food in the house and in the field you don't have that vote, you have this beer maestress, right? Kolzman, Kolzman, Sheyesh Lechayim in Asada. Yeah. The moment kala tfuah lechayim, kala the fuah lechayim and asada, you have to be mevayer from the bias. Why? I'm not allowed to have what the behemoth doesn't have. Not only a behemoth, even a chaya, a wild animal, a wild animal, not my animal, my chickens, my huh? Look at the Torah, the beer for this maimed al tereb said this vart about shmita. Yo. Ah. Shalom aleichem, bruchem haboyim. Beautiful. What's your first name? Nasanal. Gavaldik. Nasanal means a gift of God. Nosan Kale. He's he's going back, God willing, Elul, but for until then, I want to. Beautiful. Going back to Ertisro. Beautiful. Which is Shiva? Ah, Shmak. Thank you so much. a lot of Atzlacha. Shalom Aleicha. Welcome, welcome. I'd like to introduce my guest uh, from Canada, from Saskatoon. Saskatchewan? Not many people know how to pronounce that. I know Rabbi Feldman. <laughs> the entire family is converting. Like, uh, he is the only observant family in Saskatchewan besides wow. Rabbi, Rabbi, besides Rabbi Cohen. <laughs> and even, it's unbelievable. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, Where did your mother grow up? My mother? She grew up in Colorado Springs, actually. Jew- Jewish? Nope. Oh, so you're converting yourself? Yeah, with my family. It's a Christian family? Yeah. You grew up Christian? Yeah. Catholic or? Yeah, no. Uh, Protestant? Protestant. Yeah. Psst. yeah. What's your first name? My name is Bradley. Bradley, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And the last five name? Kids, five kids, six on the way. Everyone's super excited. Christmas. Really? Yeah. And you live in, in Saskatchewan yeah. and your parents live there? Yeah. yeah. How many siblings are you? I've got uh, one brother, two sisters. And then, wow. Uh, yeah. How your parents feel with your conversion? They're doing pretty good. Really? Pretty good. How long ago did you decide to do this? Uh, we 
we're about 10 months in now, so it's going well, it's coming together. How do you two know each other? Through Robert Friedman, uh, like uh, VAP class, uh, like uh, his weekly lectures, so his flight uh, yesterday was cancelled, so it was the Hashem extended your stay here, so you... you Amazing. Rabbi Jacobson is half an hour away, so... So you're flying back today? Oh, okay, amazing. So I wanted him to, to meet with you. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. I always listen to your lectures early in the morning, because it's early. Oh, wow, it's a sketch. Right? Wow. listen to many of your lectures, you know. Wow. So you have five children? Five children, six on the way, Berkshire. So what? Uh, what's the short story? How did short you? Uh, well, it's, it's <laughs> I know it's a long story, but I'll, I'll try to shorten it up for you. So, basically, my mother pulled us out of the church. I think my parents pulled us out of the church when we were about fourteen, because she wasn't really comfortable with Christianity the way that they celebrated the festivals and stuff like Christmas, Easter, all these kind of things. She wanted to see the root from where they came from. So then she started studying in the Bible to see what the root of the Bible was, and from doing that, she kind of discovered that. The Jews received the Torah of Mount Sinai, so then she started keeping the festivals from a young age for me. So my mom kind of said, we're going to keep Shabbos, we're going to do all these things. I'm like, oh, interesting. It's kind of all happening, but sure, we'll go along with it. So long story short, we did that for a while. I met my wife when I was 24. After I met my wife when I was 24, we kind of had to figure out what direction we're going. My wife came from a very Christian family as well, and I was kind of in that predicament where I wasn't really anywhere. So she said, well, let's figure out what we're going to do. So we started learning, we started studying. We knew that Judaism was important and it was something that we wanted, but we weren't sure what we were going to do with it. So we just kind of kept on learning and studying, followed different rabbis on YouTube. Michael Skoback was a, a big rabbi for me that kind of helped connect the dots because I knew Christianity and a little bit of Judaism. And wow. really brought Judaism to life to me. Wow. And then Manus Friedman really kind of filled in the blanks for... So your wife is excited about it? Super excited. She actually covers her hair. How old is your youngest? My youngest is one and a half. And your oldest? Ten. Wow. He wants to be a rabbi. And his, his name is Asher. Who's doing the conversion? Uh, rabbi Katz. Raphael Katz. Raphael Katz. Yep. And uh, when, are you, when, is it, uh, when are you planning to do it? We'd like within the next six months, two years, kind of our goal. So, so your mother is excited about she's this? Excited. Yeah, but, she's excited. My dad's kind of halfway in between, but he's doing all right. Your mother wants to join you? No. 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 She considers herself a Noahide now. She's comfortable with that. A Noahide. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's happy. Yeah. Ah. She's happy. The neighbors to his kinder. Huh? The Maimonides writes that, you know, the, he says, all the Jews, they trace their lineage to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The convert traces his or her lineage directly to God. <laughs> it's like a child of God. I actually yeah. had the chance to sit in with her brother at the JLI event. With Rabbi Simon. Oh, yeah, wow. That was amazing. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so, nice yeah. to you so you know Rabbi Cohen in success? Which rabbi do you know? In, uh, uh, with, with our conversion, uh, our base din is through Sydney, Australia. So Rabbi Ullman is actually... Rabbi Ullman in Sydney. That's right. I'm saying in Canada, who's the rabbi there where you live? Uh, Raphael Katz. Yeah, he's my rabbi in Saskatoon. And then Abraham Simmons is the rabbi in Regina. So rabbi Simmons, yeah. yeah. They're building a mikveh, no? That's right, and Saskatoon is too. I saw the building a mikveh, yeah. Wow. Okay, beautiful. It's an honor to meet you. What's your last name again? Cressman. Cressman, and your first name? Bradley. Bradley. Yep, appreciate it. Cressman, that's K-R-E-S? C-R-E-S-S-M-A-N. 
Keep in touch if I could be here for you in any way. Consider me a friend. Thank you for bringing such a distinguished guest. I don't know if you're here tomorrow, but we're going to have a class tomorrow also. Your wife is also in town. She's in, she's in Saskatoon, wait for me. Okay. When is your flight? Well, it's supposed to be yesterday. I'm saying tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, 3 o'clock. Oh, okay. Yeah, Should be with a lot of success. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Wow. Have to bring him to your yeshiva to speak to the boys. So you need this crazy. So. See, some people that grows up as a Christian and then decides to become a Jew. Nothing is forced. There's no pressure. There's no family. His father doesn't want. His father wants him to be a good guy. <laughs> His mother doesn't want to do it. But sometimes inside, you know, there's a voice. Huh? Yeah. Gershon is Gaya, the Chida, the famous Chida. You understood the Shia today? A lot of it. This one was good. <laughs> so you so what's the so two things so yes two, yes my friend so if you need boundaries then why are we talking about unity why are we talking about one because we need both there's boundaries and there's also oneness the boundaries are not here to divide us the boundaries are here to unite us I want to connect to you. You want to connect to me. But I can't connect to you and you can't connect to me if we obliterate all the differences between us. I can't make believe I'm you and you're me and I'm going to breathe for you and you're going to breathe for me and I'm going to eat for you and you're going to eat for me. And I'm going to live your personality you're going to live my personality. You have to respect you. I have to respect me. And then we could connect from that space and really become one. And then the oneness is deeper. Because if the oneness is based on us having no differences, the moment we realize we have differences, the oneness dissolves. But if the oneness penetrates our differences, if we can be one within our differences, it's real. If we could say, we may think about things differently, we may have different personalities, but we can enjoy each other, we can appreciate each other, we can respect each other, we can learn from each other. Then we become one in a much more authentic way. And how? Think about a marriage, okay, a husband and a wife. They have differences, differences of opinions. But if they can respect each other, trust each other, be loyal to each other, share with each other, experience each other, without without obliterating the fact, I may like certain things, I may have certain sensitivities, I have a certain way of seeing the world. On the contrary, everybody brings their own uniqueness into the relationship with trust and loyalty and dedication. That's what friendship is. Friendship doesn't mean we're all the same. Friendship means... We may be different, and yet we're all united. It's like a symphony. I always talk about a symphony, right? Different musical instruments. They're not all the same instruments. A song, different notes, but they make one song. A body, different cells, different limbs, but they make up one body. A jigsaw puzzle. You don't turn all the pieces into the same. Every piece is identical. A family, not every child is the same. Every child is unique, but they're one family. Kaprenda. Every person is different. A Jew is a Jew. A non-Jew is a non-Jew. An animal is an animal. Everyone has their place in God's world. And within our people itself, every person is different. And yet, there's oneness. The oneness is becoming 
because of the separation. The oneness is because of the separation. Like, so, so, In other words, the separation contributes to the oneness because you can give to me and I can give to you. You're a mashpia and you're a makabal. You get it? So we, the oneness comes because we're different. Because I need you, you need me. There's something I can give you, you don't have. There's something you can give me that I don't have. Ezel chacham haloimeit mikol adam. Fasema says we say in benching He nurtures the whole world. The Hashba of Hashem comes to the whole world, and each one of us has to be a mashpia and a makabal. Because sometimes I have a piece of your hashpa, of your thing. So the oneness is the ayin, and but we because we're yesh. the oneness is the ayin, but because we're yesh from ayin, so the oneness comes out in a particular manifestation. Like the ray of the sun. The ray is a yesh, right? So to speak. Or the ray allows for the yesh to be. And now one yesh could connect to another yesh. Okay. Ah! You're the best. No problem, you can ask. We make boundaries first and foremost by you know, understanding what makes you tick, what you need for your oxygen. <laughs> right? A person needs to sleep, a person needs to eat, a person needs to exercise, a person needs to drink, a person needs to daven, a person needs to learn. You have to recognize and respect what you need in order to fulfill your mission in life. That's a real thing. That's not a fake thing. So a person needs space. A person needs to be themselves. Etc. So it's like awareness of yourself. What you need. Self-awareness, yeah. It's, it's awareness of self in a good way. Awareness of self, of understanding and appreciating and being loyal to your unique manifestation of God's light. The sun has so many rays, and each one is real, and each one is different. <laughs> you get it? And they don't contradict each other. They all bring the sun into the world in a beautiful, unique way. I have my ray, you have your ray. And that's Ur. It's not Atmos, it's Ur, but it's Ur. In Ur itself, there's Saiviv and there's Mamala. What, well, yeah. what is so big about that? The entire time. Like one of them is everything, one of them is nothing. Yes, is the light that captures the truth of infinity, of ain't Saif. It's the light that represents the idea that everything is part of infinity, everything is part of oneness. That's Saiviv. But if we would all only have Saiviv, then I would experience myself as infinite. You would experience yourself as infinite. So we're completely one. So there's the earth of Mamali. Hashem wants the earth to go through many very, uh, con- filters and restrictions and constrictions where it condenses itself to the point that it can become defined as a more limited reality. So you can have the human brain and you can have the elephant brain and you can have the chimpanzee brain and you can have the lion's brain 
And you can have the brain of the bee and the brain of the cat, and it's all one. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Okay, now, okay, I get it now. Because they're different, they're one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Tomorrow? Tomorrow, 725? Tomorrow, Bezer Hashem. Thank you so much, Rabbi. It's a pleasure to have you. Ah! You're amazing. You're really amazing. Every time, it's like I come out with like... <laughs> really. You're amazing, Rabbi. I'll try to be here tomorrow. I'm just trying to teach what it says here in the Mimer. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.